Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the, I guess that's why they call it the Elton John podcast podcast. This is the second part of the double episode about the Rare Masters Volume 2 compilation, the collection of Elton's non-album tracks from 76 to 91 that doesn't exist but should. And today's episode is about CD3. Um, so that covers the releases that came out between 1984 and 1991. I'll go through the highlights of that CD and you can follow along at home using the document that I've prepared and shared in the episode description. I'm also going to touch on CD4, which I haven't sequenced. That's my proposed separate CD of outtakes. I've got very little idea of what would be on there, but I'll take a few educated guesses towards the end of the episode and play some of those songs. The temptation was to stop the compilation after two CDs, but there's just no obvious cut-off point given the way they use the 21 at 33 material over several years. There's way too much overlap for a good solid line to be drawn. There is, of course, another drastic alternative, and that's to arrange things by recording session, in which case you'd want to start by collecting together all of the recordings up to the end of the Elton John Clive Franks era. That would make for something extremely coherent and interesting, but Rare Masters Volume 2, it would not be. It would, it's too late to go back now, anyway. CD3 opens with this, A Simple Man. choice was mine And the time kept the feeling That the journey's end of me But I prefer to die with my head This is a Gary Osborne lyric. It was recorded during the sessions either for The Fox or for Jump Up, probably the latter. And it was released as the B-side of Sad Song Say So Much in May 1984. It's worth mentioning, um, again, what I'm not including on this collection, namely the extended 12-inch versions, which came out in the mid to late 80s. They exist for most of the singles released between Sad Songs and Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's Part 2. The extended I Don't Want to Go On With You Like That is interesting. It's got an additional bit of keyboard work from Elton on it. The rest of them, they make up um, the time with instrumental passages, repeated sections, studio trickery. Um, I'm skipping all of them, just as a basic rule. Even the I don't want to go on with you like that as well. There's just not enough room here. Anyway, A Simple Man. With this, and with the following two songs, 
we've got a pretty unfortunate opening for CD3. This one is a country waltz, an unexceptional space filler. It's not even as good as Can't Get Over Getting Over Losing You. Obviously, there's someone out there for whom this is their favourite song ever. But even when they were writing and recording this, they must have known it was a dud. It's hard to imagine how this would have come melody first. There isn't really a melody here. At least you could say it's got a restrained natural arrangement. It's not too far from what Rod Stewart probably would have done with the song if he'd have done anything with the song. It's about the most positive thing I can say about it. The following track is Lonely Boy, the B-side of Passengers in the UK and the B-side of Who Wears These Shoes in the US, which were both released in August pinpoint exactly when this was recorded it's an Elton John Clive Franks co-production but it's not normally listed with those core 21 at 33 era b-sides and unreleased tracks so it's probably one of the later songs a bit like Les Aveurs and a bit like The Man Who Never Died things that were recorded after Elton started working with Chris Thomas but outside of any formal studio sessions with him there's an early version of this on YouTube with Elton singing a slightly different set of lyrics over the same backing track called Lonely Man. I'm pretty sure that both of these are Elton's own lyrics and Gary didn't have anything to do with either of them. Lonely boy, get up and fly. Lonely boy, get up and try. Both sets of lyrics are basically the same, but Lonely Man makes lots of references to Dan it rhymes and has Elton singing do dan do dan dare in the chorus do dan do dan dare and they do do dan dare there the song's got a bit of a talk box style effect on the guitar that's similar to the keyboard sound on dan dare it takes the song into stevie wonder territory but not in a good way and it's uh, so middle of the road in terms of the production Elton's melody is insipid and unoriginal. I quite like the jumpy bass part. Apart from that, there's not a lot to be said for it really. And just when you thought that CD3 couldn't get any worse... This ain't no battle, this ain't no battle. 
This has always been one of my least favourite Elton John singles. Tina turned it down, and you can tell why. Incidentally, that suggests there must be a demo of this floating around somewhere, but it's not exactly one of my holy grails in terms of rarities. Millie Jackson's music wasn't exactly flying off the shelves during the mid-80s. She wasn't a big name draw. And at number 32, this would end up being her biggest hit in the UK. It came 11 years after her biggest US hit, It Hurts So Good, which got to number 24 in the charts. For me, though, she's best remembered for some of those atrocious album covers, which end up getting reposted in those clickbaity listicles like the 50 most WTF album covers of all time. Honestly, seek some of them out there. Awful. Act of War. It's got a fun bass line. It's played by Dion Estes, who was Wham's bassist. That's a positive. It's also maybe interesting that the way the sequence parts are so heavily built up and overproduced, it almost sounds like an industrial track at times. The machine gun effects, though, the anti-melody, the posturing, the message. What is there to like about this song? Things can only get better from here, and they do. But unfortunately, we have to endure a bit of a lurching change of mood into track four. Finally, CD3 has a decent song. This was Elton's response to John Lennon's death, written when Elton was staying, a bit depressed, in Paris in December 1980, possibly early 1981 as well. It's credited as a Clive Franks co-production, so it was probably started during the first half of 1981, before the sessions for Jump Up. It finally came out on the B-side of Nikita in the UK in September 1985, where it was incongruously credited as featuring Lord Chokice. 
Um, and later on, it came on the beast side of Wrapper Up in the US. Why they sat on it that long, I don't know. Perhaps it was still being worked on during that time. Certainly, once Bernie had provided the Empty Garden lyric to Elton, this instrumental may have lost its purpose a little bit. It's a very pretty song. It's firmly in Song for Guy territory. That doesn't mean it's not a good Elton John instrumental. It sets an elegant piano melody over a drum machine beat with some live drums over the top and lots of synth. The main tune is followed by a really dramatic B section, which again isn't a million miles away from Funeral for a Friend, the piano part this time. Then there's a C section, a kind of bridge, where the chords are turned inside out. The title, just like in Song for Guy, the murmured lyric as well, is direct and very apt. John will never die, in a way, because of the life that there is in the music that he left behind. It's a simple but very meaningful statement from Elton. There's also a remix of this, which came out in 1992 um, on the B-side of the last song. That's got a longer, swirly intro and some more 90s-sounding drums. It runs at a little under seven minutes. That remix was done by Bruce Forrest, who also remixed Understanding Women during the same period. He's posted another version of his mix on YouTube, which was, he said, liked by Elton and by John Reed, but ultimately rejected um, because it took the focus away from John Lennon, apparently. And that version's got some wordless singing over the top by someone called Hannah Jones, a la Pink Floyd's The Great Gig in the Sky. Second mention of that song in this podcast. This is followed by another instrumental, Highlander. This was written by Elton and produced by Adrian Colley, who was a backroom guy at Rocket, and Tom Pierce, who was involved in engineering and mixing Elton's records at the time. This was a piece of dramatic entrance music for Elton for his Ice on Fire tour, eventually coming out as the B-side of Heartache all over the world in September 1986. It's a bunch of building chords on a synthesizer, not a million miles away from, guess what, the synthesized intro to Funeral for a Friend, which was probably the intention. Well, at least that's what it is up until the third minute when it does this. Sounds like a cat broke into the studio. Still, it's different. It's a real favourite of my correspondent Jan Vogel, who helped me out with this episode, so maybe I'm missing something here. 
He says it should have opened leather jackets. I can kind of see that working. Six is the Ice on Fire era song, Billy and the Kids, the B-side of Slow Rivers in the UK in November 1986. Produced by Gus, this is a solid, brassy bit of rock and soul from Elton with a fun bass line, probably Dionestus again, and a few catchy hooks spread out fairly well over the song. Check Bernie's lyrics though. This looks to me to be one of those songs where Bernie had a very different idea about how it was going to end up. It reads as a straightforward story of an alcoholic guy who's showing some hollow remorse after his violent behaviour has led to him being estranged from his partner and from their children. The choice of a unisex name for the wrong partner does add in a bit of open-endedness, but otherwise it's a straightforward, heartfelt thing. But Elton's setting just makes it sound like he's out on the lash still. All in all, it's a decent soul song. Despite the plastic key keyboard sounds, it's good for the era and it's something that would have improved either Ice on Fire or Leather Jackets. The next track is very easy to miss, it's snuck away on the 12-inch version of Slow Rivers, it's called Lord of the Flies.
this is straightforwardly brilliant. A Dixieland honky-tonk thing full of energy and ideas. The chorus leaves you hanging around on the garden path for a while, but it ends very strongly with some authentic-sounding Elton John band backing vocals marking out the hook. Gus really knew how to get that sound, didn't he? I almost love the banjo and the synthesised brass breakdown. Yes, maybe this would be a bit of a strange diversion on a mid-80s Elton John album, but there's precedent for this sort of vaudeville madness. Teenage Idol and I Think I'm Gonna Kill Myself spring immediately to mind. Whatever the thinking, it was weird of them to bury this song like this. Just like in 1980, they obviously felt like they had songs to spare, but as it turned out, by the time um, Red Stripe SPAC singles were being released, the cupboards turned out to be pretty bare. Of course, there were a load of unfinished demos from this era, and uh, I'll talk about that at the end of this episode. I love the fact that Elton turned this lyric, essentially a story about cannibalization among the survivors of an accident, into this creepy, catchy, upbeat death march. He may have been in a dark place, but he and Bernie still had a great sense of humour. I feel that CD3 is finally finding its way here. It's time to talk about what I'm not including again. As I said in episode 25, I'm skipping the duets where Elton's team wasn't involved. So that's Loving You is Sweeter Than Ever with Kiki, Through the Storm with Aretha Franklin, That's What Friends Are For with Dion Warwick, Gladys Knight and Stevie Wonder, and Flames of Paradise with Jennifer Rush. Um, later on, there's not room for Measure of a Man, which is a solo Elton song, but it's written by Alan Menken. It's produced by Phil Ramone. It doesn't have Elton's musicians on it. Um, it came out on the Rocky Five soundtrack in 1990. Yes, these are arbitrary decisions, but otherwise we'd be well into five CDs. I mean, if I was going to follow the Rare Masters Volume 1 approach down to the letter, we'd have Victim of Love released here as well for the first time on CD a la Friends. You've got to draw a line somewhere. Actually, if they did remaster Victim of Love, I'd probably buy it. Anyway, back to the music that's on the collection then. Just as Elton did back in 1987, we now turn back to the production of Chris Thomas with Rope Around a Fool, which was the B-side of I Don't Want to Go On With You Like That in May 1988. Along with heavy traffic, this is meant to be a hangover from the Leather Jackets sessions in terms of its writing. It's a fun guitar and piano driven tune reminiscent of some of the stuff on Rock of the Westies like Yell Help. The verse has got some slick phrasing from Elton and the short chorus has got an amusing, fairly predictable hook. 
Underlying it all is some solid work from the rhythm section, David Payton and Charlie Morgan. Once the verse and the chorus have visited, there aren't many more surprises, but Elton does take the chance to show off the rather tinny sound of his new Roland keyboard, particularly towards the end of the song. It's a strong B-side, but I don't think it would have improved Red Strikes Back. You can imagine it going down fairly well live. Bernie Wise, it's a good title. I'll give him that. I'm not sure what it's about. Frustration, dysfunction and helplessness are all there. I think in the context of a relationship, although it could just as easily have been about dealing with morons in the workplace. Track 9, Dancing in the End Zone, was apparently written during the Red Strikes Back sessions, but didn't show up until the following year on the B-side of Healing Hands. It's difficult to tell where and when the track was actually recorded, but the drum sound is very reminiscent of the drums on Durban Deep. Which suggests that Jonathan Moffat was the drummer. It's a nice bit of energy from the band, but the production is aggressively 80s. Loads of ugly sequencing and the chorus is poor. The whole thing's in one key. It's tonally tiring. Not nice. Track 10 is Love is a Cannibal. This was another song that was written during the Leather Jackets era. Um, Elton donated this to the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack and then he subsequently placed it on the B-side of Sacrifice in October 1989. The song might have been attempted during the Red Strikes Back sessions, but this finished version almost definitely has got some of the Sleeping With The Past band on it because it features the female backing vocalists and they weren't around for Red Strikes Back. It's ballsy in places, it's soulful in others. I don't feel it does either of these things that well. Yes, it's catchy. That's a strange lyrical hook. Love eats love eats love. Love is a cannibal. It's not exactly living on a prayer, is it? You can imagine them being very hopeful about this track, working it up, layering it up, and then just finding it a little bit blah. There's nothing else on Sleeping With The Past. With guitars like this, it would have been very out of place on there, so it's likely that it wasn't actually intended for there, and it was always going to be going towards the soundtrack album. There's some fun guitar work from Davey on here. He gets a songwriting credit. But the riff isn't that great. Nice try, but like I say, it's not got the power that a song like this needs. For our purposes, it works. It keeps CD3 ticking along quite nicely. Heavenly brothers, mastication, Houston station, slant the lace, flat 
regulations, regulations, integration, mediation, United Nations, congratulations. Everybody in your Soviet Union, you like, go down to the shops and talk about John and Yoko, Kimi Bidi, Barbara Windsor, Yoko Ono, Madonna, Bobby Dylan, Bobby Johnson, Eddie Johnson. Track 11 is Elton's so-called cover of Give Peace a Chance, which came out on the B-side of Club at the End of the Street in April 1990 in the UK. This was a bizarre offshoot from the sessions for I Don't Want to Go On With You Like That. You can tell because it's using the same drum machine beat. And then, in Revolution 9 style, someone drops in the master of that song towards the end of this cover. Everybody's talking about ministers, sinisters, bandisters, canisters, versions, bishops, bishops, avenue, bishops, avenue. Why not talk about bishops, avenue? I've got nothing else to bishops, avenue. Everybody forget about Popeye, Oliver, everybody, everybody, everybody. This is Gene Schnook. Because they are the next contestant on Make a B-Side. It features Elton in full flow, giving voice to his goon show in a monologue. Quite what we did to deserve this, I don't know. And why it ended up on To Be Continued is anyone's guess. The single You Gotta Love Someone came out in October 1990 in the UK in support of the very best of Elton John. Because I wanted to group the four Don Was tracks together, I've swapped the B-side and the A-side here, meaning that track 12 is Medicine Man, which was produced by Elton and James Newton Howard. This had actually already seen a release on the Olivia Harrison organised compilation for relief in Romania, Nobody's Child, 
which came out in July 1990. That Elton James Newton Howard production credit is a strange one. It seemed to date the track to those pre-Red Strikes Back sessions, which took place at James's house in L.A. in the winter of 87-88. They apparently sketched out The Camera Never Lies and a word in Spanish there, as well as most likely The Rumour for Olivia Newton-John. And who knows what else? Maybe this was another one of those tracks. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it came about later when they were working together on the Don Was material. That's equally likely. We don't have any credits as regards the musicians. So who knows? This sequence bass part is a bit like the bass from Speed Demon by Michael Jackson from Bad in 1987, but it slowed down. It's doubled up with some real-world guitar in some bits of the chorus, and that helps the song rock a little bit. This is one of those Elton shouty songs. There's some fun phrasing in the verse, but not much in the way of melody. The chorus takes things a bit gospel. There's not much to it, but it's fun. It actually grows on you, this song. I don't even mind the sax solo that much. Blimey, what's happening to me? Track 13, You Gotta Love Someone, a bit of a lost single, particularly for Americans. It came out on the Days of Thunder soundtrack. It was on To Be Continued as well. It made number 43 in the US and number one on the adult contemporary chart, but there doesn't seem to be a corresponding 7-inch single or CD single for that matter. There was a cassette. Um, Maybe that's all there was, some radio play, and a cassette got it to number 43, thanks to Bitterfingers from the Crazy Water Forum for pointing that out to me. In the UK, there was a physical release. It only made number 33. Number one in Canada, though. It was thought that there were several more songs recorded with Don Was in July 1990, more than the four that we got to hear, possibly a whole album's worth although it's likely that the other songs weren't worked up to the same level as these four. Apparently this track and the other three that follow were recorded in one take. Is that a good thing? I don't know. They seem to have been in a bit of a hurry. It would only be a month 
until Elton would go into rehab. It always seemed a bit of a shame to me to be working with such a brilliant funk soul producer as Don was, was, is, was, is, uh, just to track a bunch of pretty straight love songs as fast as you possibly could. However, Elton's voice was quite wonderful in 1990, and that carries these recordings. It's a puzzling band that Elton used here. We know who they are because it's listed on To Be Continued. There are some real blasts from the past. Steve Lukather and David Page from Toto are there on guitar and synth, respectively. More than 10 years since the 21 at 33 sessions when they were last heard with Elton. There's also American Idol's Randy Jackson on bass as well as some more session players that I'm not that familiar with on percussion, drums and second guitar. James Newton Howard, like I said, he's involved on keyboards and string arrangements, but apparently he's not on You Gotta Love Someone. What an elegant tune this is in Elton's magical key of E-flat major. It's the same key as your song. I love the end of the chorus, the descending set of chords. It sounds like something by Roy Orbison or Buddy Holly. Just a classic Elton John moment. Then towards the end, the gospel choir come in, rounding things off perfectly. It's so sad that this song's been largely forgotten. It's basically perfect. Moving on, track 14 is another Don Was production, Easier to Walk Away, which came out as a single around Christmas 1990 in most territories, but not the US. Unlike its predecessor, Easier to Walk Away didn't trouble the charts in any of the places it was released. I like this song, it's got a slow and stately verse, but underneath that there's a lively bass line and a robust drum part, let's call it that. Very late 80s, early 90s, but it's difficult to get upset about the sound of this stuff. On top there's a slinky guitar part which really works, Elton's chorus melody is a good one, memorable. And by the third verse, when James Newton Howard's strings are starting to get involved, we've got an original sound going on. It's a solid set of lyrics as well from Bernie, very grown up, very economical. This sounds like it would have been a highlight of Sleeping With The Past. It would fit really well on there. Track 15 is the B-side of that single, I Swear I Heard The Night Talking.
How great is that chorus? It still suffers from the same headache-inducing snare sound as the rest of these Don Watts songs, but it doesn't matter. Turn it up. This is Top Draw Elton. Great pre-chorus coming out of a solid verse into an inspired and long chorus. This song is full of welcome surprises. Bernie's taken the theme of love a bit further here. The other Don Was songs are pretty straight, but this one's about infidelity and temptation. And it's a good lyric and it meshes well with the music. It's a fantastic title as well. Right, so this is the final track of the compilation. It was only released as an alternate B-side for Easier to Walk Away in France. It's called Made For Me. This is so familiar. It's like a blend of a lot of different verses from off of the upcoming The One album. Particularly Runaway Train, maybe, and Understanding Women. I'm sure there's something obvious I'm missing. It's really familiar. The chorus is fairly decent. Some nice backing vocals. I like the instrumental refrain as well at the end of the chorus, but the electric piano solo is nowhere near being one of Elton's best. Maybe some heavier guitars would help this track, as well as a bit less of James Newton Howard's synthesizers. It's not a terrible way to end the compilation, though. To summarise CD3, then, it's got a pretty weak beginning. Um, It picks up a bit, it deteriorates again, and then it ends on a high. Five duds, five middlingly good songs, and then six top-tier tracks bad really especially considering the appalling start and the state that elton was in at the time out of all of the cds this one's the more challenging in terms of the production but if you can hold your nose there's some diamonds here as elton's management team would no doubt say so that's the end of the sequenced album time to think about cd4 the rarities cd there are three songs that were tracked during 1978 that haven't yet seen the light of day. Maybe if we're all extremely good, they'll let those of us who are still alive hear them in 2028 when a single man reaches 50. There's a solo piano instrumental that I've been lucky enough to hear through a fellow collector. It's an elegant and quite positive thing, unlike most 
Elton John instrumentals. There's also a fully fleshed out song called Love of My Life that's got some subtle musical elements of part-time love in it. Finally, there's a religious song called Roll On The Second Coming. Um, Elton's recorded a version of this, which is quite excellent, um, the standout of these three tracks. But in the end, it was given away to a guy called Garth Hewitt, who put out a slightly naffer version of the song on the B-side of his song Diddy Jump in 1978. Diddy Jump and uh, Roll On The Second Coming were both produced by Cliff Richard, who was, of course, involved with Rocket at the time. Maybe it was initially written for Cliff, but he found it too religious. Who knows? I'm going to play that Garth Hewitt version at the end of the episode, but those three tracks would make essential inclusions onto CD4. There are other tracks mentioned in the Claude Bernardin and Tom Stanton book Rocket Man from this era. One is called Smile That Smile, which was given away to an Israeli musician called Neil Bashan. And that's on YouTube, by the way, if you're interested. It's not that great. And presumably there's an Elton John demo or an attempt at the song somewhere. Other titles from Claude and Tom's book include Trying To and I'll Try. I don't know anything about either of those. From 1979 to 1980, it's difficult to say what came from when with this stuff, but there are some tracks that need to be on this collection that circulate. There's Elton's beautiful piano demo of Sweetheart on Parade. It was eventually released by Albert Hammond and Shirley Collins, among others, but Elton's demo apart from the slight lyrical flub at the end, is wonderful. I played a nice cleaned-up version of that in the episode The Songs They Gave Away. There's also Elton's demo of the song Basque. This was intended for the instrumental album, but it never saw the light of day. It ended up being covered in 1991 by flautist James Galway, with this version somehow winning Elton the Grammy for Best Instrumental. It's not even the Best Elton John Instrumental, not even close. This demo, probably recorded in 1980, was actually given a CD release in 2014 on a 4-CD promotional box set called simply Elton John. That's got the full version of the song on it. This is just the snippet that circulates. Another obvious inclusion would be the Reach Out To Me demo with Elton singing the original Tom Robinson lyrics. We've got this demo. The tape is unfortunately a bit fluttery. Yeah. 
This one isn't really a favourite of mine, although you'd be well within your rights to think that it was, given the fact that this is the third time I've played this song in the last two episodes. This is another unreleased song from the turn of the 80s, Remember, which Elton and Bernie wrote specifically for Frank Sinatra. He tried it out live a couple of times, but he eventually left it on the shelf um, from whence it was picked up by Donatella Rettore and put out on her album Estasi Clamorosa in 1981. It's at this point that we go off a little bit into the unknown. This is generally the way with the Chris Thomas sessions, I find. They're a bit of a black hole when it comes to research. Claude Bernardin and Tom Stanton in their book Rocket Man list some titles of songs from the Jump Up sessions that were additional tracks during that era. These titles include At This Time In My Life, Desperation Train, I'm Not Very Well, Jerry's Law, Moral Majority, great title. Waking Up in Europe, another good title. And The Ace of Hearts and The Jack of Spades. Outside of this list, basically nothing is known of any of these songs. Maybe they exist. There's certainly a Bernie lyric for the song Desperation Train, but that one, which came out on Bernie's album Tribe, which was released in 87, doesn't feature music that was written by Elton. There is also a track listed against Breaking Hearts in the Tom Stanton called Bernardin book called Here Comes Miss Hurt Again. Again, I haven't heard about that from anywhere apart from that book. Better documented are the demos from the Leather Jackets era, which we actually have. Um, according to a YouTube comment that I've read, you only get the best sources here. They were recorded at Visselord Studio in the Netherlands in January 1986. Some of these tracks are more carefully constructed and recorded than others. This is the instrumental Hognuts Blues.
The sound quality of these tracks is so poor that it's hard to tell what we're really dealing with. This is Elton bashing out some chords with what sounds like Dionestus getting extremely busy in the background. It's a pretty good start to these demo tracks, but it's a bit of a wild ride from here. Speaking of wild rides, here's the song entitled Roller Coaster. This sounds like a pre-Gary Osborne lyric to me. Elton doesn't really have a clue what the melody should be doing, but underlying it is a pretty sophisticated set of chords. I can't see them letting this out in this manner, but maybe as an instrumental they would, or maybe there's a better set of vocals for this out there. That would be nice. It's an interesting tune. I wonder why they abandoned it. Here's one that doesn't tend to circulate from this era. It's called Is It You? Another pre-Osborne lyric here, I think, as well. What a twisty chorus. I like it. It's hard to see where this one is going without the lyrics properly being in place, but there's a real song in here that would have boosted leather jackets for sure. I probably need to do a whole episode on this period. There's so much material. I won't go through it all here. You can find it on YouTube. There's tracks like Love Adventure, which is a bit of a throwaway, Wild Love, which is an excellent ballad, and Timothy. It's impossible to tell what they would use and what they wouldn't, but there's some pretty strong ideas essentially in flat pack form. Um, just like Smile That Smile and Roll On The Second Coming, there was another song from these sessions that sneaked out, Lonely Heart, which was covered by Sylvia Griffin, 
a Rocket recording artist. It was a bonus track on a 12-inch release of her single Love's A State of Mind, and it was co-produced by Renata, incidentally. Maybe there's a demo of this out there as well. The next known rarity is the song Love Is Worth Waiting For, which was played live once at an AIDS benefit at the Century Plaza in Los Angeles in July 1988. seems from what Elton said there in the intro that the idea was to get some collaborators together to record the song as a charity single on behalf of AIDS research. For whatever reason, that didn't happen. The song is a bit staid musically, it's mostly predictable stuff, but the chorus does end with a reasonable hook, the whole thing being reminiscent of some of Elton's later Disney writing for me. The lyric seems to be advocating an abstinence message in relation to AIDS prevention. This is still a big part of how AIDS is tackled by medics around the world. Far be it from me to pick holes, but let's say this is a bit of a tough sell in the context of a pop song. Maybe that was what did for the song and the whole idea, but was a studio version ever recorded? Surely there's a demo out there somewhere. Bernardin and Stanton say that 22 songs were recorded for Red Strikes Back, by the way. Um, who knows 
what that refers to. One of them is the wonderfully titled Welcome to My Haunted Heart, which doesn't circulate but needs to because it sounds hilarious. Moving on, I'm not aware of anything from 1989. There must be something from those sessions. Um, I found this song, it's called Back From Yesterday, which to me has always sounded like it might come from the Don Was era. I don't know how seriously you've got to take some of these titles that are listed in the Rocketman book by Bernardin and Stanton. Um, they've listed Bobby Goes Electric against the 2133 era. We've got a version of that, but it's from much later, from the 90s. But it was apparently tackled multiple times. Elton said that he struggled with getting it written satisfactorily. Um, and then there's another one, Blue Moves. The uh, writers of Rocket Man have listed two titles for Blue Moves that weren't released: City of Blue and The Man Who Loved to Dance. Do they exist? I don't know. I'd like to hear them. I'd like to see some evidence that they're actually real. Anyway, all of these things could end up on a CD4. Um, I'm sure some other people out there have got some ideas of songs that I've forgotten. Um, that would make for a bonus track in this era. Let me know your ideas. Um, Another thing, uh, if you remember, Rare Masters 1 had the John Lennon live collaboration as as its centrepiece. I don't think anything quite that career-defining happened on stage for Elton during this period, though. Perhaps Live Aid? 
not really. Central Park, yes, maybe, but you can't hear the 200,000 people. Um, Rainbow, Moscow, The Tube, I love those performances. Um, and they need to be collected, but I don't know if they really belong on this collection. Anyway, that brings this epic couple of podcasts to an end. I hope you've enjoyed this extended jaunt through the cobweb-filled cupboards of Elton's recording career between 1976 and 1990. I hope that you can now picture what Rare Masters Volume 2 might look like, at least as I've conceived it here. I'd love for someone, like I said, to make some artwork for it. I'd love to be able to hold this thing in my hand. If anyone's interested, let me know. Drop me a line on eltonpodcast at gmail.com or on the Facebook group. If there's a select few fans who are interested in making this a reality, then maybe that same select few fans might want to think about needle-dropping, QAing, mastering some of their cleaner copies of the singles as a group effort, and then making those available to the same select group of fans. Just an idea. I'm not trying to do Rocket and Universal out of anything that's due to them here. There isn't a single person who would get involved in such a project who wouldn't then happily shell out if the real deal were released. Like I say, no one's getting any younger, though. See, I'm getting angry now. This is meant to be a celebration. Um, Here's a celebratory roll on the second coming from Garth Hewitt. See you next time. Roll up, roll up, roll on the second coming. Roll on, roll on, roll on the second coming. Oh, Jesus, Jesus set free. Bad to rap at Jesus and no.
everybody roll. 